Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Forecast kind of cloudy the rest of the afternoon. 51 the high for today, down to 34 tonight. Cloudy tomorrow, a few showers likely, high 48. Flyers 5-2 over Anaheim last night. Kevin Hayes with a hat trick. Gives him 13 goals on the year. Flyers are home tomorrow night against Chicago at 7. Sixers also victorious. Won 21-10 over the Clippers last night. Joel Embiid with 41 points. Tyrese Maxey 22. Tobias Harris 20 in that win. Sixers are at Portland tomorrow night at 10. And on the preborn scoreboard, we inched up to 108 ultrasounds. Had one more come in since yesterday, so that's wonderful. Wonderful, never mind. Wonderful, actually, is unintended pun. I was thinking that we would love to have more than one come in each day because we're trying to get to 500 by the end of the month. But on the other hand, for me personally, when I saw that one had come in since yesterday, I still thought, hey, you know what? The radio station's involved in perhaps helping save a life. That was worth doing. We encourage you to help out. Each ultrasound is $28. We're working with Preborn, as we have done for a number of years, to help provide free ultrasound sessions for pregnant girls and women who might otherwise choose to end their pregnancy. I love this because, among other things, just the opportunity to see their baby and hear their baby's heartbeat. Very powerful, very effective, and gentle uh, you know, a way of promoting life. First for the baby, but certainly the mother, the father, and beyond. January is Sanctity of Human Life Month, and uh, certainly there are many ways to be pro-life, and we want to be pro-life year-round. This is a very practical way and a great way to start the year. So we have had a, a wonderful time working with Preborn the last number of years. Several thousand of these have been uh, provided by our fine listening audience. Very grateful to the Lord for that. We're hoping to get to 500 by the end of the month. So we need about 30 a day, actually, to hit that goal. I have seen much more come in one day than that. But often, a typical day, there might be one or two or five or 10 or 12 or 18, whatever. So we would love to pick up the pace on this. If you're willing to take a piece of that, $28 covers the cost of one ultrasound. $56 covers the cost of two, maybe five for 140. Folks have done that. You could certainly do 20 for $560, which is a fun uh, tie-in with our frequency. To help out, it's 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229. Or you can help out on our homepage by clicking the Preborn banner at WFIL.com. Scott Wilder with Preborn joined us for a couple of days early on uh, this month to talk more about Preborn, give some context for your support not just the ultrasound being provided, but much more. Let's hear a bit of that conversation right here. 
I kind of go back to the phrase, giving someone the truth at the single most important time. I mean, you give you give a woman the truth about this at a time when she's not pregnant or maybe she's uh, well into her mature years and she can say, yes, that's truth. And that's that's really important. I'm glad to have that truth. That is a baby and not not unviable tissue mass. But when you give that truth at the single most vulnerable time um, is so valuable, it's so needed. And to do it with no judgment, to do it with love, uh, introduce her to her baby. The statistics are remarkable. Overwhelmingly, girls and women will choose life if they have the chance to see their baby and hear their baby's heartbeat. The number is now about 85% or more of the time. Many times, it's much more than that. At the centers where Heidi is, that number is 93%. 93% of the time, girls will choose life for their baby. Now, they may need help. They may need more than, you know, just that one moment. But preborn has always been more than just the one moment choosing life. I mean, it's the beginning of a two-year-long mentoring process. It includes providing free maternity clothes, free baby clothes, services like free diapers, strollers, cribs, formula, uh, even help with education. I want to find out what is a GED? How do I get a GED? Or you, you uh, choose life, but you still say, I can't raise this baby. I need somebody to help me figure out about adoption. Uh, preborn can help with that. So it is, it is really the whole package. That lie that has been told that pro-life people only care about, you know, the, the girl until she chooses life or only care about the baby, you know, before it's born, but don't care about it. After. It's simply not true. And it's not the DNA of pre-born, never has been. And today you can join us. And again, there are babies alive today because of what we did last year and the year before, year before, year before, year before and on and on in the past. Because this is a family tradition here. We start the, the year by saving babies, providing ultrasounds, and we want to save at least 500 again. It's Scott Wilder with Preborn from one of our couple of conversations we had earlier in January. Podcasts of both of those, if you want to listen through and learn more about what Preborn's doing and how you can be a part of it, it's right on our homepage at WFIL.com. Just scroll through and you'll find it uh, pretty quickly. And again, if you want to help, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229. Or at WFIL.com, where you'll see the preborn banner. That said, turning our attention to the rest of the show. Is there a doctor in the house? Is there a doctor in the house? I'm a doctor. What's up, Indeed. Bugs Bunny asking if there's a doctor in the house as far as our program. Not one, but two doctors joining us today. We'll start with Dr. Robert Jefferson a few moments from Pathway to Victory. You can catch that program weekday mornings at 930, weeknights at 8, and several times over the weekend. Dr. Jeffress has a brand new book out called What Every Christian Should Know, 10 Core Beliefs for Standing Strong in a Shifting World. He'll be followed by evangelist Dr. Alveda King founder of Speak for Life. We got this confirmed late last night. We knew it was possible, and it came through in confirmation late last night. She's on a plane and all that sort of stuff, so she'll be joining us later on this afternoon uh, after we have Dr. Robert Jefferson on the show to talk about the Martin Luther King holiday, which just passed, as well as March for Life, which is upon us. So that's happening on our fine broadcast. You're listening to The Tim Moss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL 
and at WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, and we're glad to bring on board today Dr. Robert Jefferson, Pathway to Victory. How are you doing today? Doing great, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Congratulations on what every Christian should know, 10 core beliefs for standing strong in a shifting world. Uh, share, if you would, about what led to writing this and uh, what it is and what it isn't. Every poll we see recently shows that uh, fewer and fewer Christians are embracing the most basic beliefs in Christianity, beliefs about uh, the Bible, or the Holy Spirit, or salvation. They've adopted the world's view rather than the biblical view on these topics. And I ask myself, why is this happening? And the answer is very clear. They're not hearing these truths taught from the pulpit. And so I've identified what I believe are the 10 historic beliefs of Christianity for the last 2,000 years. And this is a fresh look at those 10 core beliefs that are pillars in support of Christianity. Things like what every Christian should know about the Bible, what every Christian should know about sin, what every Christian should know about the Holy Spirit, and so forth. It's really a a brief seminary course, if you will, but it's filled with real-life application. Uh, You know, truth without application is just dull as dirt, and uh, that's why it's important that all of these truths uh, are are, uh, understood but also applied. And one thing I have found throughout my pastoral career It's impossible to believe truth that you don't apply, but it is absolutely impossible to apply truth that you don't believe. And a lot of people just don't know these basic truths of historic Christianity. You know, in the introduction, you refer to those 10 core beliefs, uh, and I think it's really wise because you take about two pages to give three or four sentences on each one. So it helps a person who's about to read the book to know where this thing is going. And it clarifies, you know, this is the journey we're going to take. Even the seminary mention you had a minute ago, it, it has that depth, but it's not super deep in the sense that it's going to be words they don't understand. And that whole practical application part really comes through. Well, that was my goal, is to teach the truth uh, in a brief way of each of these ten core doctrines, but also to show why it matters. I mean, for example, God the Father, you know, uh, we call it theology proper, the study of God the Father. Well, why do we need to know that God is omniscient, that he's all-knowing. Well, knowing that he's omniscient omniscient reminds us that when something happens in our life, God doesn't slap his forehead in heaven and say, gee, I can't believe that happened to Tim. I can't believe that happened to Robert. What am I going to do? I better get... No, God doesn't panic about the future. He knows the future because he's planned the future. Yeah. Folks tuning in, we're talking with Dr. Robert Jeffers, Pathway to Victory, where you can typically hear the program that he does at uh, 9.30 each weekday morning and also 8 in the evening, several times over the weekend on WFIL. The reading experience of what every Christian should know, I'm curious about the order in which you present the chapters and if you if you recommend reading them in order, or could you actually, maybe after you read it once, then pick it up and pick up an individual chapter to dig into each one? Yeah, there's nothing really special about the order. Uh, It's sometimes how uh, theologians divide out these truths, but uh, the order isn't important. And yet, 
Every chapter stands on its own. And I might say, Tim, that this uh, book has a study guide that goes along with it from Baker Books. And we're finding that as the new year begins, a lot of churches are using this as a, a small group Bible study curriculum or for a Sunday school class or Sunday evening church. You can uh, uh, use this book as a great way to equip your group, to equip your church, to equip your own life with these basic truths. Would you suggest that what every Christian should know uh, is primarily to strengthen believers and help them understand what's going on and, and, and all, so to speak, and shore up what they know? Or theoretically, could someone who's seeking gain from it as well? Oh, I think anybody who was seeking could gain from it. Uh, uh, there's never any harm to being exposed to the truth. But I think probably the first chapter in the book is the most important. Many people are uh, surprised that I made the first chapter not about Jesus Christ. They would say Jesus is the cornerstone of the Christian faith, but instead I made the Bible the cornerstone. And it's very simple why I did that. We wouldn't know really anything of significance about Jesus were it not from the Bible. And yeah, there are a few mentions of Jesus in external sources, but we would never know, for example, that Jesus has existed from the beginning of time and created the world. Colossians 1, all things were created by him and for him. We would know nothing about his deity. We would know nothing about why he actually died on a cross. We would certainly know nothing about his resurrection if it were not for the Bible. So I think understanding the Bible, the trustworthiness of the Bible, why we can really believe it's true, how we handle what we think are contradictions or attacks against the historicity of the Bible. I've summarized that in the first chapter, and that's what every Christian should know about the Bible. If you just tune in with chatting with Dr. Robert Jeffress from Pathway to Victory and the book that we're uh, talking about, the new one, What Every Christian Should Know, 10 Core Beliefs for Standing Strong in a Shifting World. They are God's Word. Uh, This is the first chapter. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Angels and Demons, Humanity and Sin, Salvation, the Church, Future Things, and Christlikeness, just to unpack it there very briefly. That first chapter, uh, it is interesting, because I thought that too. You could start with God himself and then go further, but you make a case, obviously, that God's Word is what these things all uh, stand on in terms of how you would, as you said, find out about them. And in fact, you have all these, um, the book is very readable, and in one part, like in page 26, I came across, it said, uh, uh, you write the Bible... um, uh, sorry, for, the Bible is unified um, and that there are 40 plus people involved, a diverse group. Moses, a political leader, David's a shepherd, all the others. Solomon's a king. And Peter's a fisherman. And in terms of helping people know that this document, this book that you're reading is for real. Think about that diverse background, diverse geographically. And with all those moving pieces you wrote uh, in so many variables, there's no earthly reason for the Bible to function as one organic book. Uh, uh, unless it really is divine, uh, inspired by God. Yeah, you know, even uh, secular people recognize that. I remember an article years ago in Newsweek magazine about the uniqueness of the Bible, and it's uh, interesting. They compared it to the Koran. I mean, the Koran, even though the Koran was written by one guy, that misguided prophet Muhammad, there's no unity in it. There's an outburst here, a lament here. I mean, it has no unifying theme about it whatsoever. And yet, as you mentioned, you know, here you have over a period of over a thousand years,
engineers, people from every kind of background, from different countries, coming together and riding in a unified theme, and it all fits together. I mean, that could only happen by divine inspiration. It's a great reminder. I, I have I've heard of that, and I, but I hadn't considered that for quite some time. And then the way you laid it out there, the, the actual individual perspectives, you would think that it would be a, a really – it could theoretically be a very disjoint set of set of uh, writings, and it's it's not, and it certainly fits all together. Uh, and so, in any case, as does the book, lots of scripture throughout. A number of fun and interesting short stories and scenarios are woven throughout, and a lot of contextual comments and explanations. Which uh, you used the word history, I think, earlier. Uh, without going too crazy, you do have a, a lot of uh, explanations and context that I think add that historical strength to the book. Well, and again, talking about that first chapter of the Bible, you know, people want to know, why can I trust that the Bible really is the Word of God? Well, there's all kind of historical arguments, archaeological arguments, even recently the Pool of Siloam from John 9 has been discovered and opened up. You know, we've got, if you go down to Caesarea, you visit uh, uh, there, there's a replica of the pilot stone that was discovered there in the 1960s that verifies that Pontius Pilate was really the governor during the very years that Jesus lived. Up until 1960, there was absolutely no evidence of a Pontius Pilate anywhere. People thought he was a mythological character. And I can go from discovery after the discovery. Now, does that mean that you can prove the Bible by archaeology? Well, no, the Bible, archaeology is not going to prove every event in the Bible, but what's interesting is there's not been one archaeological discovery that has contradicted the Bible. That's that's right. That's very interesting. That's a great way to put it. Uh, again, if you're just tuning in, Dr. Robert Jeffers is our guest today on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. You can hear him on Pathway to Victory every weekday morning at 930 also weeknights at 8, and several times over the weekend. Uh, we, we've had the privilege of uh, you know having you on the program before a number of times, usually in conjunction with the book that you put out. And I'm thinking, um, what's important to you as you write? Because you have a conciseness and a clarity uh, and and a practicality about, about the way you write. And I'm guessing those are very important to you. Well, what you said is exactly true. First of all, I'm concerned about being accurate. I want to be sure I'm telling the truth in what I say and speaking the truth accurately. Yeah. But speaking practically is also every time an important thing to me. Every time I'm writing, I keep two words in my mind. So what? So <laughs> what? What difference does this truth make in the people who are reading about this truth? Yeah. And I think if truth has no application to it, it's really worthless. It's funny you say that. I was mentioning to my wife today that uh, we were going to be talking, and I said, you know, from my perspective, I prepared to have an interview, and I want to have the right questions, have my facts straight. And then when I'm done, I'm like, I think that went well. I think it was okay, whatever. And But I have to remind myself, like, the listener, I wanted to benefit them. Like, so what? Not like uh, the listener's not thinking Tim got his job done. They're, I want them to come away from hearing Dr. Jeffress and something they can hang their hat on and be blessed by. Uh, the, I have to remind myself of that because it can be two different things. It can be like you preaching a good sermon, feeling like, okay, I did my job, but did what you say, you know, was it really practical or something that they could take away? Right? I mean, <laughs> you no, know, I think I think about a pastor, this true story, who had a little placard um, uh, on the back of the pulpit that he saw every time he stepped up to the pulpit to preach. And the little placard said, 
what are you trying to do to these people? (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's a great question. Every preacher, every writer ought to ask every broadcaster, what is it you're trying to accomplish? So hopefully it's something godly for people. That's very funny. Amen. Amen to that. Dr. Robert Jeffers, kind enough to spend some time with us today on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL, the uh, program, of course, Pathway to Victory, weekdays at uh, 9.30 a.m. and 8 p.m., several times over the weekend. And the new book is called What Every Christian Should Know, 10 Core Beliefs, for standing strong in a shifting world. I think just that title is very, uh, you know, much draws a person in because there is that feeling like even you know the Lord well, but still feel like uh, your footing is starting to slip a bit. And as the psalmist often sometimes talked about too. Uh, Is that a a big reason for you also as to why you wrote this book to really strengthen the church? Oh, it absolutely is. You know, in 1 Timothy, Paul calls the church the pillar and support of the truth. You look at a massive building, to hold up the roof, you have pillars or support columns, certainly in Paul's day. Well, the church is that pillar and support of God's truth. But if we're going to support God's truth in a darkening and decaying world, we've got to know what that truth is and why we believe it. And so this is to help the church rediscover uh, the truth that the church has been left here to proclaim to the world. Speaking of which, I believe in the introduction or right before that, you give a little bit of a shout out to the members of First Baptist Church in Dallas, where you're pastor. And, um, and I think it says, thank you for standing firm on the sure foundation of God's word for 155 years. The grass, grass withers, the flowers flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever from Isaiah 40, verse 8. Our pastor some years ago would ask we would stand during the reading of God's word right before the sermon. Then after he'd read Isaiah 48 and he would tag it with, you, however, do not have to. <laughs> like, you, don't, you don't have to stand forever. You can take a seat. Uh, but <laughs> tell us just for a second about, about the church and, and what role they play in just supporting you and encouraging you as you do yeah. the books you've done. Well, you know, uh, people say, you know, Uh, Does your church ever get upset about the controversial statements you make and, you know, this and that and so forth? I said, they are my biggest supporters. I couldn't do what I do were it not for the support of the First Baptist Church of Dallas. And the church has been in downtown Dallas for 155 years. Uh, It's known for its bold proclamation of the Word of God. Many people don't know that Billy Graham was a member here for 54 years of his life. And the reason he joined our church in 1950. Uh, He lived in North Carolina, as you know, but he was a member here for 54 years until the very end of his life because he wanted to be a part of a church that boldly proclaimed the truth of God's Word. Amen. Amen. You know, you have uh, um, these gray boxes in the book, What Every Christian Should Know, and one of them I found interesting. It's kind of a related question, and, and uh, but I'm curious for your take on it. It, it talked about in Matthew, um, uh, one was called contradiction, not necessarily, as to why a person might say the Bible is not reliable. And then you have, as an example, Matthew 5 through 7 and Luke 6, recording two versions of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. I covered um, Philadelphia sports for a lot of years, and it occurred to me, you know, about the four Gospels, uh, you know, I might go to one game, but not all the games, and somebody else uh, may also see the game from a different angle, or they have a different intention as to what they're writing about or what's on their heart, where they got their sources from, who they interviewed. And I was I was thinking, like, I wonder if it could be viewed, the Gospels, as a little bit like the writers of the Gospels. Some of them might have been at the same event. Maybe just one person was at it. Maybe all I don't know, was three or four of them were at the same event. I don't know. Do you? Uh, could that be a reason why some of the Gospels um, are told from slightly different perspectives at times? 
Well, it could be one of the reasons. But, you know, the fact is sometimes it's differing, not contradictory um, uh, accounts. You know, if I'm reporting, if I tell you about a – uh, an accident that occurred outside my window here in downtown Dallas, and I said there were three ambulances, and uh, somebody else says there were two fire trucks. Are those contradictory? Not necessarily. Right. He didn't say there were only three ambulances. He's just focusing on that. Right. And so that's what you've got a lot of times. But, Tim, the most helpful thing for people to realize and remember about the Gospels and all the New Testament is we have, in our language, direct quotations. If we put something on quotation marks, we're saying this is what the person said word for word. There were no quotation marks in the Greek language. Uh, what you read in Jesus' teaching could have been direct quotes, or they could have been a summary by Luke or Matthew of what he was saying. Yeah. So we have to read things according to the language in which they were written. Dr. Robert Jeffress from Pathway to Victory, our guest. The book is called What Every Christian Should Know, Ten Core Beliefs for Standing Strong in a Shifting World. Uh, you also, at one point, share a personal testimony I thought would be very encouraging for people to understand, including the the uh, college professors who were attacking the Bible and what that led you to do, because it was discouraging at first, but then what that led you to, because it, it really almost in a way sums up uh, why picking up this book would be very helpful for folks. Well, I grew up in the church. I pastor, had a strong biblical background, but I went to a so-called Christian university about 90 miles south of here, and uh, I was introduced to professors who didn't believe in the inspiration of the Scripture. They talked about all the contradictions in the Bible. And you know, it's interesting, Tim, when I went off to college, I was so enthusiastic about my faith, sharing the gospel with everybody, memorizing books of the New Testament. But when I started hearing these doubts about the truthfulness of Scripture, I quit my witnessing. Why share about a Jesus who may or may not exist? I quit reading the Bible. If this is nothing but Aesop's fables, why do I spend time reading it and memorizing them? And I almost gave up the ministry in the Christian faith until I found out you don't have to commit intellectual suicide to believe in the Bible. And my college experience was followed by uh, going to Dallas Theological Seminary and sitting under people like Charles Ryrie and Howard Hendricks and Bruce Walkie and John Walford and realized you could be brilliant, which those men were, and believe that the Bible was God's inspired word. Amen. Yeah. And it, you had put in there, it led to you to think about the trustworthiness of Scripture and also that it's transformative to me that I love the fact that this book has Scripture all the way kind of just really like propping up what you're saying all along the way. It's not just this long opinion piece or something. I mean, it's fine to have that too, I guess, but the world's full of like thoughts flying around. And so my heart, I mean, it really is even Facebook or bumper sticker Christianity. You have to ask yourself like words matter. I'll say that to people, uh, you know, I, I don't teach our kids to be nice. I've said this on the show before, but I don't teach our kids be nice to your brother because the scripture doesn't say be nice. It says be kind or love. Yeah. So I want to tie it to actual, you know, what scripture has to talk about. So, I appreciate the fact that you came to that conclusion and the Lord allowed you to see the transformative power of Scripture. Jeremiah one twelve, you had put in there to support that. So, And that the Bible is the inspired and errant word of God. And it, it's how, how we live and move and breathe and have our being, you know, in him and through his word. So anyhow, uh, I, I appreciate that you uh, encouraged. It was encouraging to see that that's where the Lord brought you. 
Well, I think each of these topics, as you talked about, uh, can be studied consecutively, but they also stand on their own. You know, uh, even one thing that uh, uh, people are surprised I made one of the ten pillars of Christianity is the doctrine of future things. You know, if there is one message that appears throughout the Bible, it's Jesus is coming back again. And uh, uh, people think, oh, the book of Revelation, it's too complicated to understand, and it's really not written for us, and so forth. I mean, uh, that robs people of the only hope we have, that the Lord is going to return. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, for every Old Testament prophecy about the first coming of Christ, there are eight about the second coming of Christ. Wow. The first time he came, he came to be our Savior, the suffering Savior. But one time, when he comes back again, he's coming as our reigning king. And it's important that people understand uh, uh, the end times, not every uh, secondary or tertiary issue, but the basic things like the rapture of the church, the tribulation, the second coming, the new heaven and the new earth. Amen. Last question. How can people pray for you, Dr. Jeffers? Well, I appreciate, uh, I believe any church that teaches the Word of God is going to be under attack from all kind of human and ultimately spiritual forces. And so pray for our church as we try to be faithful in proclaiming the truth of God's Word. And I always, Tim, appreciate people praying for my family, my wife, my children, and my triplet grandchildren. <laughs> that sounds great. That's wonderful. Well, thank you. We will do that. And uh God bless you today. Thank you for taking time with us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's Dr. Robert Jefferson, Pathway to Victory. Again, you can catch a program weekdays at 9.30 a.m., 8 p.m. as well, several times over the weekend. The new book is called What Every Christian Should Know, 10 Core Beliefs for Standing Strong in a Shifting World. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. AM560 WFIL, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, and we are very glad to bring on board today evangelist Dr. Alveda King, founder of Speak for Life. How are you today? I'm wonderful, Tim. How do you and your listening audience? Absolutely. Thank you for being on the program today. It's a new year, and uh, I understand as the year gets going, you have a, a routine that you'd like to do in terms of prophecy and thinking about the coming year. Feel free to share about that and, and what you're seeing. Well, actually, with prophecy, I'm born into a family of dreamers. Most people know my famous uncle, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but part of our legacy is prophecy. Because of that, I, as I'm praying and get messages from God and that kind of thing, I tend to publish and speak and minister accordingly. So with the coming year, I could talk for the whole interview about what's bad, who doesn't need to do this and all of that. But I would rather say, regardless of how bad things seem and how people act, we should have hope and look to God. And as we do that, the whole earth is filled with God's glory. We can overcome evil with good. And so as we do that, we can expect to see God act in a mighty move towards people accepting Jesus Christ and moving into the kingdom of God. Amen. I know the church at large uh, is on your heart, too, the bride of Christ, that that's who we are. Uh, your thoughts on that for the coming year? 
the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. That's exactly who we are. So some people would tend to think, well, I'm in the body of Christ. I'm the bride. I'm just come and get me now, Jesus. Forget everybody else. (laughs) However, we need to work until Jesus comes. And we need to exemplify Christ in our own hearts and spirit in such a way that people will want to know Jesus. So that should really be our goal. And somebody asked me, I minister a lot around the country and sometimes around the world. And I was at Anderson College and one of the students, well, how do you continue to do what you're doing without being discouraged and afraid? I said, we are to fear not and spend time with God and depend on Holy Spirit to direct us. God is our father and the blood of Jesus covers us. And then somebody says, well, how do you continue to do what you do and people are trying to work against you, stab you in the back and all of that. And, and I said, sometimes I truly look people in the eye and I say, I need to pray for you. I'm praying for you right now. Can you take the knife out of my back? <laughs> so the student looked at me, eyes got big and we chuckled. And I said, that was one of the scriptures. And I think Kenneth Hagin used to say it. Confer no longer with flesh and blood, get the job done at all costs. And that actually is in the Bible. And I looked at it and I said, that's exactly what we need to do. So we already, we're not trying to beat the devil or win over the devil. Jesus already did that. We are victorious. We are more than conquerors. We are in occupation. We still have to wear the spiritual armor, the full armor of God. We still need our weapons, and they're not carnal, but they're spiritual. But it's for occupation. Oh, I'm fighting the devil. I said, why? He's defeated. Yeah, you know, I he's, said, he's like a roaring lion, but he has no power. Walk in your power. Walk in your authority. He's under your feet. Act like it. Yeah, you know, it's encouraging just uh, listening to you speak because— it, it sounds like you make a habit and a practice of reminding yourself of what's true, including, I'm sure, having time in God's Word to remember what the truth is about all of these things. Actually, and nothing, you know, it's over in the Book of Romans, height and depth, depth or no principalities or powers. Nothing can separate me or any of us from the love of God. We can kind of semi-separate ourselves if we don't stay connected in worship, praise, obedience, humility, repentance. We have to live there, and that keeps us connected. Folks tuning in, we're chatting with evangelist Dr. Alveda King, founder of Speak for Life, niece of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., of course. And um, we had the holiday earlier this week, and March for Life is coming up. Feel free to take some time just to share about each. And on the holiday part, uh, I was just as the day was happening, I thought, I wonder what's the best way to celebrate the day or to honor it or to go through it. And so you know, we're past it here, but we can still think about it and apply it in the future, too. So just your thoughts on that, if you would. Well, considering my uncle, the brother of my dad, Reverend A.D. King, my uncle M.L., yeah. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., my, the preacher Daddy King, they were all Baptist preachers. And I reminded people during this particular holiday, because people were like, President Biden is speaking at Martin Luther King's church. No, he's not. Martin Luther King never had a church. Hmm. I said, now, Martin Luther King Jr., A.D. King, my dad, Martin Luther King Sr., my grandfather, ministered and preached at Ebenezer Baptist Church, the historic church, which is on Auburn Avenue during their lifetime. They considered that they were working for God at God's church. Now, the church across the street, Ebenezer Horizon, 
Yes, Senator Raphael Warnock is after that. President Joe Biden did speak there. That actually is Raphael Warnock's church, and it is a political church. Hmm. So that's the difference between a social gospel and a political church and a church where God is the head and Jesus is the head of that church. And the ministers uh, do the best they can to serve that gospel of Jesus Christ and serve God Almighty. So I did want to say that. Sure. And along with that message, I did also explain that one of my uncle's favorite uh, quotes for me, we must learn to live together as brothers, and I added sisters or perish together as fools. He said he longed for the day when there would be no black power, no white power, only human power and God power. He's quoted Acts 17, 26, of one blood, God made all people. And in saying that, that means that there's one human race, no separate races. And a critical race theory that tries to acknowledge that there's one race of people that oppress another race of people. There's only one human race. And that oppression is a sin, period, among the human race. And that's the thing that people have not really explained well enough. Now, moving into the March for Life with that same understanding, life, human dignity, and life should be sacred from the womb to the tomb and beyond. So the little babies in the womb should have human dignity. The rich, the poor, the sick, the elderly, no matter what color we are, we're not colorblind. We can see ethnicity. Jesus gives sight to the blind. So if I'm blind and don't see your color, I don't see your ethnicity. I don't see your pain, your victory. And see, that's wrong. So we, I take a lot of time explaining to people, especially college students, high school students, middle school, grade school, even kindergarten, anybody who will listen. Hmm. So we have to be one blood, one race, are and you, to love God and exemplify Christ in our lifestyle. Are you finding some progress in that as you have those conversations? Or what's your rea- what, what, is there a typical reaction like, oh, I never thought of it that way, or oh, wow, or, or how does that come? I hear that all the time, but the same thing happened to my granddaddy, to my daddy and my uncle, and my generation to me, the young people. But it's just like this. We have not gone back in the civil rights movement at all. We have moved forward. But what happens, every generation has to teach these truths. Hmm. This is not new. Acts 27, uh, Acts 17, 26, I'm sorry, Acts 17, 26 has been in the Bible for 2,000 years or more. <laughs> right. So it's not new. But if people don't say it every generation, and then right now I say every decade and every day on social media, then people will forget. Hmm. So it's important to keep saying it in every generation. Absolutely. Uh, so, and then for March for Life, obviously, it's certainly something that's very close and near and dear to your heart and should be for each of us. I'm going to be right at March for Life this year with Father Frank Pavone, one of the people that will be there, Speak for Life, my organization, National Black Pro-Life Coalition, National Black Pro-Life Union, Frederick Douglass Leadership Institute. Um, I'll be there. And your thought, as far as the gathering and the, uh, you know, we, we are teamed up with a local ministry to help provide ultrasounds. But when we do that, we also talk about how we do want to be pro-life year-round. This is just one way. Uh, any th- just thoughts along those lines, how to encourage people listening to be pro-life in additional ways, ways that have come to mind for you? Pro-life, womb, tomb, beyond, living and exemplifying the life of Christ, no violence or murder or intentional harm towards innocent people, regardless of what their state of existence happens to be. So this is something that we can all do. 
I'm happy to be a part of the body of Christ, mm. serving Jesus and loving humanity and trying to be humble and repentant as best I can. I'm going to have to wind up. We probably would have thought to stay on longer. But, <laughs> That's um, fine. You're busy. Yeah, com. Okay. And speakforlife.org. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for taking time with us. We'll be praying for you. God bless you. Keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. God bless you, too. Bye-bye. Bye. Evangelist Dr. Alveda C. King, daughter of the late slain civil rights activist Reverend A.D. King, also the niece of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Christian Evangelist, joining us on the program today, sharing her thoughts on Martin Luther King Jr. Day as well as March for Life. Those websites she mentioned at the end, alvedaking.com, A-L-V-E-D-A-King.com, and speakforlife.org. We'll put those in the podcast description on our homepage once we post that later on. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. It's The Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. WFIL.com on the app. Stephen Curtis Chapman, title track from his newest CD, Still. He joined us a few weeks back and talked about the song and the album. Still, it was really just coming around to, to deciding to even make this record, do this new album uh, of music as I wrestled through. And I even say in the lyric, you know, I've wrestled and I've rested and I've trusted and I've tested God's patience like a foolish man. But when I surrender once again, and I come like a little child, lifting up my hands. He he lifts me every time and tells me he loves me still. So it really is, even in that, I kind of was honest in the lyric, like the whole process of writing this album, making this new music is kind of going, should I, do people care, do they want to listen? You know, they want to hear me sing the hits of the past that mean something special to them at different times in their life. But I've got new things to say. And I, I, I want to say it, and I want to write these songs, and I want to declare now as much as ever, maybe more than ever, that God is still faithful. He's still good. His love is still unfailing. His grace is still amazing. You know, all the things I've been singing about all these years, after 35 years, I still believe it, and I still want to sing about it. And maybe that's as important as anything I could say, you know, just yeah. to encourage someone on their journey to go, man, okay, it's still true. So much has changed, but what hasn't changed is God is faithful. God's promises are true. You know, all of that. So that one was, yeah, just kind of felt like a, a very important song that almost sets the tone for the whole rest of the record. Stephen Curtis Chapman, who we had on the program a few weeks back, full podcast of that at WFIL.com. You'll also find a full podcast of a show we just had last week with Pastor Joe Foch and his son Josh, who were in studio with us. They're from Calvary Chapel of Philadelphia, of course, and the radio program Straight from the Heart, which is WFIL's Ministry of the Month for January. Some pretty cool prizes you can win with that. Several different books. There's a grand prize, and everyone who enters gets some free resources, too. Uh, so you can find out about that at WFIL.com. Pastor Joe, one of the questions I talked to him about was some, you know, some of the things early in his pastoral time with Calvary Chapel. When we first started, I took myself very seriously. When there was 25 people coming there... People ask, would you do anything different? And I, and I just think I would have taken it easy on my family because my wife and I would argue. I'm out working on auto interiors all day. I come home. 
there's a church phone in our house and I don't want to answer that all night. We put an answer machine on it. Then I didn't want to listen to, you know, those hours of calls. And then, you know, I'd be saying to Kath, I've got to teach the Bible. And and somehow when the years go by and the, and the church is blown up, you realize I, I really had very little to do with this hmm. at all. You know, I probably take myself way less serious now than I did because you kind of felt like you, you had to do it. You know, you, you're a rookie. You've never done it. And then you watch the work of God and realize, well, I, re- I really didn't have much to do with this in the first place. Isn't that something? Yeah, and it's easier then in some ways. Pastor Joe Foch again from Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. The full hour uh, broadcast is available on our homepage at WFIL.com. Uh, and you can scroll right through and find other podcasts that are there. And again, uh, Straight from the Heart, which airs weekday mornings at 730 and also Sundays at 8 a.m., WFIL's Ministry of the Month for January. Just one last thought as we wrap things up for today. Uh, Our partnership with Preborn has been going well. We are a bit behind where we'd like to be in terms of getting to the 500 ultrasound level by the end of this month. So if you're willing to help out, we're at 108 right now, which is a good start for sure. That's a very important piece of work that's already happened. But we have 392 to go by the end of the month. Could you call right now and do one? It's $28. And the, the idea is with Preborn, they provide these free ultrasound sessions for pregnant girls and women who are maybe thinking about not keeping their baby. And just the opportunity to see their child for the first time and hear their baby's heartbeat can do tremendous amount in terms of saying, you know what, Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. As he said during the interview recently, where one couple said, I'm not sure what we're going to do, but I know we're not. I know what we're not going to do, which is terminate this this pregnancy and have an abortion. So if you want to help with the cost of one, we'd love that. It's $28 again, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229. You can certainly do more than that if you like. Uh, Whatever amount you can do will be very uh, much appreciated and certainly a a very important work in our partnership with Preborn as a WFIL listening family. 833-850-BABY. Or at WFIL.com, we post updates there and we get them from Preborn, usually late morning, early afternoon each day. So we'll have another one tomorrow. Let's uh, grab this if we can and run with it and get this done. 833-850-BABY. And take that next big step toward hitting the goal of 500 ultrasounds this month, January being Sanctity of Human Life Month. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, or on the WFIL app. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com.